Hi, everybody. We've been studying the prophets throughout the summer, and you know, the prophets we found they're all over the map. Some were very young, some were old, some were called for most of their lives, some of them for just a short little time. Uh, some were very faithful. Some struggled with their call. I mean, we even saw Jonah ran from his call to be a prophet. One thing they all had in common was an experience with God. Uh, it's usually translated as the word of the Lord came to the prophet. We talked about this a lot. Uh, it's the Debar Yahweh. It's, it's like the prophet experienced the things of the Lord. And, and, you know, he really, because of that experience, saw the world differently. In a lot of ways, he, he saw what the humans were doing, and then he saw how different God wanted things to be. And the prophets, they couldn't do anything but speak out against what they saw. Even Jonah finally uh, spoke out. You know, really, the prophets saw a difference between the earth and heaven, the kingdom of humans and the kingdom of God. The prophets saw how things would be if God was king. There's a figure that is, is really a huge hinge at the beginning of every one of the Gospels. It's a hinge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is like the last of the Old Testament prophets. He had an experience with the things of the Lord, and he saw the kingdom of God very clearly. He saw the kingdom coming. Really, his message was uh, just like an Old Testament prophet's message. Uh, you read it in Matthew 3, verse 2. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, in a nutshell, that's the message of the prophets, really. I mean, you need to change your ways. You need to repent. Remember, the word shuv in Hebrew, that's what we translate as repent, but it's simply their verb to turn. You, you, you turn from where you're going, you, you turn to God. You stop walking the path you're on. You start walking on a path toward God. You live in God's kingdom. You live as if God was king. But there's a difference here. Uh, you know, God was king of Israel until the people wanted a human king like all the other nations had. Um, that's when the prophets really came online. So John the Baptist is like a bookend, and I want us to get this. The real king is returning. John saw it. It was going to happen. God, John saw what God was doing and what God was about to do. He was going to come back and, and take the throne as king. This man, Jesus, would be God enthroned. The kingdom of heaven has come near. We need to start living as if it's true. John looked like a prophet. Um, you know, Matthew tells us he wore clothing of uh, camel's hair and he had this leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. John lived on the edge of the wilderness and the people of Jerusalem and all Judea, they, they came to him region all along the Jordan. They, they came and, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, we're told, confessing their sin. You know, he, he was getting them ready for the kingdom. He was getting them change their ways because King Jesus was coming. 
And I think this is so fascinating. Like I said, you know, God initially was the king of Israel. God was supposed to be the king. They, they didn't have a human king. This was how it was to be. But then they wanted one. And eventually they got one. If you remember, Saul. Saul was the first king. In Hebrew, the word Saul means, well, you asked for it. And they got what they asked for. It was kind of a mess. Uh, go back and read the story. But the deal is that the prophets were called from, from about that point on, over and over and over, the prophets were called because they saw how things would be if God was king. And they saw how things were with these human kings. And they tried to get the people to live as if they were kingdom people, God's kingdom people. I mean, over and over and over and over. So John, he's like the last of those prophets because God's going to be king again. Jesus is coming. Jesus will be king. So John the Baptist, he's kind of like a summary of all of these Old Testament prophets, the, kind of the, the, the last of the tradition. But the deal is the work wasn't over with John. Jesus continued the prophet's tradition. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the whole point of the prophets, the people have lost their way. The people have lost their perspective. The people are not living as if God is their king. The people are not living in the kingdom of the of God. They're living in the kingdom of the world. In the Old Testament, there, there were priests and there were prophets. And they were often at odds. The priests were about managing the, the, the religious practices of the day in the temple and then on in the synagogue later on. Um, they were the spiritual leaders who led worship. The prophets were spiritual leaders as well, but they were very different than the priests. They were spiritual leaders, not in the temple. They weren't leaders of worship or the sacrifice that happened in the temple and, and all of the rituals. The prophets, they were about living like you're a resident of the kingdom of God. That's what they pushed. So King David united Israel. And he established Jerusalem as the capital. And then his son, Solomon, came and, and he built the temple. And that became the center of worship. And, and then from then on, the priests, they administered worship in the temple. They performed the sacrifices. They guided the festivals of the temple. That was their job. Religious worship. Every detail, every ritual was to be adhered to very strictly under the leadership of the priests. And that was a huge deal. From that moment on, when the temple was built, really the Old Testament story is, is the story of the priests and the prophets. The priests, they organized religious activities. Uh, day in, day out, they observe, they administer the worship of the temple. And then the prophets, they're the voices calling people back to God. They were redirecting the people when they walked away from God or, or when they lost perspective on what they were doing when they were worshiping God in the temple. That's when it just became rote. 
They were going through motions, and the prophets, they, they, they saw what was happening, and they injected spiritual meaning into the experience. Priests had a tendency to lose perspective because uh, they were leading the, all the rites and the rituals in the temple and they liked being in charge and they lost perspective. And so then we hear Amos in 521 to 24 say, I hate, I despise your festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with your noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-ending stream. They had lost perspective. Real worship is not a thing you do in a place. Real worship has more to do with how you're living your life. Right living, the prophets all said, is more important to God than righteous rituals. Same thing with Micah, you know, Micah 6, 6, 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for my sin? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. See, over and over, the prophets, they were called to speak out when these religious observances of the, of the priests just overshadowed kingdom life. They said, how you treat people matter. Ethics matter. I mean, don't hide behind this fig leaf of religious activity. Don't call yourself a follower of God if your life isn't pursuing the things of God. The prophets knew that God works through his followers. God brings about the kingdom through their lives, through the activity of their lives. That's why Israel was born. God told Abraham and Sarah that he would create a people through them. They would be his special people through whom God would work. Genesis 12, 2, the call, he says, I will make a great nation unto you and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God was saying, you and your descendants will be a bless blessing to others. God's people are blessed to be a blessing. That's kingdom life. So when God gave Moses the commandments, you remember that? This amazing thing happened. Um, they're up on the mountain, and, and God said something amazing that it got twisted over the years. As God was offering this covenant, God said to Moses in 19, Exodus 19, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, 
you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests. God said Israel would be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? Well, what are priests supposed to do? They're supposed to connect people to God. Israel was supposed to do that for the whole world. But they lost that vision. And the people, they, they'd walk away and the prophets would try to bring them back to that vision. Kind of on a side note, but not really. You know, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 brings that vision back for the church, the followers of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.5 you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then down in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is our call. So throughout the Old Testament, there's this kind of push back and forth between the priests and the prophets over and over and over again. The priests are about going through the motions of worship in the temple. The prophets are about kingdom life. Through the exile, same thing happened. And then back, after the temple destroyed the synagogues, they became the center of the religious life. And that's when the scribes and the Pharisees came on the scene. Scribes and Pharisees, they were the teachers in the synagogues. The synagogues were where they gathered when they couldn't go to the temple any longer. And then the Sadducees, they came online because they were the descendants of the priests. And they were like the upper class elitists of the Jewish world. And when the temple was rebuilt, the Sadducees, they, they, they kind of vied for their place of leadership among the Jew, Jewish people. This is what's behind John the Baptist's words in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, meaning John, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. See, all those years later, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were still leading people down the wrong path. John the Baptist is saying, produce fruit, kingdom fruit. You need to turn from where you're going right now and turn to God. They were teaching that God's people is about worship. Being God's people is about the way you worship. John was saying, just like all those prophets before him, worship, no, worship is how you live. Jesus took that message and ran with it. Over and over, Jesus, he called out the priests. He called out the Pharisees. He called out the Sadducees throughout his ministry. I mean, the great parable, the Good Samaritan, given to highlight their kind of self-righteous hypocrisy. 
Good Samaritan starts out with a priest disregarding the needs of a hurting person on the side of the road who needed help and he needed food, he needed attention. But the priest just walked around him because he was in such a hurry to get to the temple to lead worship. There's this tension between Jesus and the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it hit its high point the week before Easter on the first Palm Sunday. If you remember the story, Jesus held a one-man riot in the temple. I mean, demonstration. The, the temple, supposed to be a house of prayer, supposed to unite people with God. See, when Jesus came and he cleansed the temple, it wasn't just a demonstration against the business of the money changers whose tables he was overturning. The cleansing of the temple was the final straw of a generation after generation after generation of prophets who came before him. These men who stood up, stood up to the priests, stood up to the people and, and said, you need to turn back to God. In the midst of generation after generation of these rote rituals that had nothing to do with bringing people closer to God and everything to do with lining their pockets and turning their heads away from the injustices that they witness time and time and time and time again. Jesus refocused the message on kingdom, God's kingdom, moving from these sterile religious rites to acts that incarnate the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus' death ended that sacrificial system in the temple, right? He brought it back to what it was supposed to be in the first place. A message that God redeems everything that sin destroys on this earth. God still does that today. Over and over, these prophets, all the way to John, they were called as correctives. They were called to get people back to God. And Jesus continued their work, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection culminated their work. You can live as a resident of the kingdom of heaven here and now. Worship isn't a place. It's how you live your daily life. It's about your relationships with God and with others, Jesus said. It's your relationship with the world. It's living the kingdom in the trenches. You know, these past months have been really hard for all of us. They've given us a lot of time to just reflect. When we went online for worship, um, I really thought and prayed a great deal about what the church was created to do and be back when Jesus started the church and kind of what church culture has become over the centuries and how much of it just completely misses the mark of Jesus' initial dream. That image of the priest and the prophet 
just became so clear. There's a tension. In the misery of, of 2020, how we and the majority of churches, if we want to be honest with ourselves, we're so much closer to the priest side than the prophet side of this equation. As myself, but all of our other leaders, you know, as we prayed about this, we decided we needed to repent and we needed to turn back to God's ways and live as kingdom agents. Back in April, we designated an offering. Um, it was a kingdom move for us. Everything that weekend went to go to help people in our community, people in Honduras. We're trying to live as disciples of King Jesus. It was amazing. We brought in $50,000, couldn't believe it. We added some funds, so we sent $15,000 to Honduras, our friends in the mountains of Honduras, to help them with PPE, uh, with pharmacy medicines, um, and with some food. They're like the poorest of the poor, the people we meet with and work with up in the mountain villages. But the rest, we, we tried to budget for relief here at home. And, and we 26000 over the last several months to Tri-City Food Bank. And then 19000 for uh, our mobile market work in Eastgate uh, through uh, Second Harvest. And then just relief funds for... Um, helping with some specific families who are really hurting through Eastgate Elementary, and we worked with their administrators. And we need to replenish those funds. So once again, this weekend, our entire offering uh, is gonna go to Honduras and then relief for families who are struggling in East Kennewick. I'm praying we have enough for another quarter uh, to help these families. I don't want to be a priest-type church. I don't want to be about the operations of the temple. I want to be part of a prophet church, about the kingdom, life, living as King Jesus in this world. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what this is about. That said, I do want to talk about our plans for gathering this fall. I mean, we, we really miss you. Historically, our regular fall kickoff has been the weekend after Labor Day, and we're going to keep to that. Uh, we'll continue meeting online on Sunday mornings, at least for now. But we're going to start that week gathering together outside uh, Wednesday the 16th at 6 o'clock. And we plan on this being a weekly gathering. We can have up to 100 people socially distanced outside. And we'll have an online RSVP program. So um, if you need, we need more outdoor worship times, we'll add them. That's, it's all good. You're going to hear about that in the days to come. We're also going to start getting our groups together. Uh, for those who are ready, uh, our youth, our young adults, our men's, our women's, uh, you know, we want to meet in person for those who can. And there again, you're going to hear more from your leaders in those areas in, in the next, um, next couple days or week. When we hit phase two, we can actually come together inside 
up to 200 people socially distanced. And, and we're really looking forward to that. And things will really start changing at that point. You know, early on, we prayed about how to handle gatherings and the virus. We decided to use John Wesley's three general rules uh, as our guide. Do no harm. Do all the good you can. And stay in love with God. Those are still our rules. Those are still our guidelines as we progress into this. And I want to be really clear. You know, the last couple of weeks, um, my mom went to the hospital, not with COVID. Uh, I do have some friends who are there with them. But mom, um, mom went in the hospital, and we we're very blessed. Uh, she she actually is bouncing back pretty quick. Uh, she went into rehab facility, and so I was able to get my dad out of town. We went to our family cabin at Willowa Lake for a few days earlier this week, and um, it was really a gift. Dad and I we were talking on the way back home, and. Uh, Dad was really trying to process coming back. He wants to come back so bad, and you know he knows he he really can't uh, for his own health. But even more important to him is so he doesn't contract anything and give it to my mom. There are people, and we love you so much. But like my dad, who you know, you need to stay safe, um, you know, at home. And we're going to continue doing everything online. We're going to do everything we can to resource you. We're going to do everything we can to be in community with you. And please know we love you and we would love to be with you. But I really want to reinforce if, if you at all feel, um, like you're not ready to come back, it's okay. And we're going to find ways to be in community with you. It's all good. Uh, we will get together again soon. But we are so excited uh, to gather as, as we can. Uh, we will continue to adhere to the guidelines given to us. And um, we, don't, we do want to do no harm. We're going to start a series uh, on that fall kickoff weekend um, called Get Your Life Back. And we'll have a book that we'll read. And I just think for all of us, you know, we need to learn, frankly, to live in the midst of this experience. We need to be smart. We need to find ways that we can all be healthy. But COVID's a reality. And we should not look back at this season in our lives and just think, what a waste. We can find ways to bring the kingdom right now more than ever. We can be kingdom people, kingdom agents through our actions, through our lives. Um, the kingdom should be felt here on earth as it is in heaven. One of the ways we're going to start is with this offering uh, this weekend. I want to ask you to join me as we seek to bring uh, food to the hungry and a drink of water to the thirsty. And I want to ask you to join me in praying as we go forth. Um, how can we really be a prophet church in the days to come? I'm so honored to be your pastor and I look forward to seeing you so soon. 
you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you for this heritage that you've given us of the prophets and these windows that they have given us to see your ways. Help us to be able to experience your things, your ways, and help us to be able to live as kingdom people, living under King Jesus in this your world. In your son's name, amen. Thank you.